Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, who's ready for message three of Prison Break? Man, it's uh, been so good these last couple of weeks talking about temptation and the ability to overcome temptation. The truth is, um, in the foundation we've been laying, we've learned that everybody faces temptation, every single person. It doesn't matter if you've been saved two days or 29 years. Uh, You may be holy and love Jesus, but you still battle temptation. Can I get an amen right there? Every single person has to deal with temptation. And so I believe that there are probably people in the room this morning and those that are watching online um, that there may be a reoccurring temptation in your life that just keeps popping up. That no matter what you do, you can't stop doing something. Sometimes we, we say things like, I had to do it, or I couldn't stop doing it, or I just... You know, I've prayed about it several times and nothing has changed. Anybody ever felt that before, right? Like I just can't get past whatever this is, whatever the temptation may be. Um, And so what I want to do today is I want to go back to the key text of our series in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, um, verses 12 and 13. And as you're preparing to turn there or get ready to watch on the screen, I want to go ahead and give you the title today. I want to call the message, Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. We're going to dive right in. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 12 and 13. It says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, I hope you're encouraged by this truth is because no matter what you are facing, whatever the struggle is, God has always and will always provide a way out. It doesn't matter if it's a temptation to complain, a temptation to compare, a temptation to be jealous, there is always a way out. Your temptation may be to overspend. Your temptation may be social media or gaming. Hello, middle schoolers, right? Addicted to gaming. It it doesn't matter what the temptation is, God has said in his word, there is always a way out. Hit your neighbor and tell them there's always a way out. Very, very important. There's always a way out. Um, The key is, two, two keys there, God is faithful, and secondly, there's always a way out. And the, the scripture says he will give us a way out so that we can endure it. So the challenge that we have this morning is that we usually think in terms of temptation, we, we say things like, I'm just going to put it out of my mind. Whatever the temptation is, whatever the struggle is, I'm, I'm just not going to think about it. If I can get it out of my mind, 
then I, I can defeat this. And Scripture does teach us to take the, the bad thoughts out and the wrong thinking out. That's very important. That is one plan of attack, but that is not the full plan of attack. And I want to show you what I mean by that. Um, th- this, this will help. I, I just need a little participation from you guys. So will you guys play along for just a minute? Close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes. All right. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to participate. I want to show you that just trying to determine, I won't think about this, will, will help me overcome it. Um, so everybody's eyes closed. Don't you dare think about a pink elephant. Now, everybody open your eyes. What did you think about? A pink elephant. Why? Because you said, you, you, in your mind, you're saying, I'm not going to think about it. So if I determine I'm not going to think about semi-sweet chocolate chip ice cream, Right? I got a lot of texts this week about the ice cream pictures about it. Oh, y'all dirty. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but if I say, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If I say I'm, I'm not going to think about this, then my mind has a tendency to automatically think about the things that I don't want to think about. Some of you right now, you're seeing a pink elephant eating semi-sweet chocolate chip ice cream. Because I said, don't think about those two things. That's the way our mind works. So it's not just about me deciding I'm not going to think about the negative thing, but I have to see the other side, the other side of of the plan of attack that God has for us. And we're going to go a little bit deeper today to help us overcome. In Galatians chapter number 5, verses 16 16 and 17, it says this. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So Paul starts this out by telling us, walk in the spirit. And what, what he's saying by, by telling us to walk in the Spirit is to stay close to God. Stay close to God. Stay close to his will. Stay close to the Word of God. And when we walk in the Spirit like that, Paul says, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. What are the desires of the flesh? That is a picture of the sinful nature. All of us, no matter how long we've been saved, we still battle the sinful nature. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that the moment you came into relationship with Jesus, at that moment, you recognize that you are now in a very real battle. You have the desires of the flesh, and you also have what the Spirit of God wants you to do. How many of you understand these two are always at war? It is a very real battle, and it's not a one-time battle Paul, Paul made uh, this statement in the New Testament. He said, every single day, I have to choose to die to self. Why? Because this battle is real. My, my fleshly uh, desires, you know, they have what it's wants, but also I've got the Spirit of God telling me this is what I need to do, and they are in conflict with one another. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. 
And, and, and it takes me back to like Romans chapter 7. If you get a little bit of time, read Romans 7. It will probably encourage you because the greatest apostle who ever lived, Paul, he wrote in, in Romans chapter 7, he said, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And the things that I want to do or need to do, I'm not doing. And he, he concluded that, you know, I'm a wretched man. He doesn't stop there. He says, but thanks be unto our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the ability to overcome. Paul was, was letting us know, and we can all identify with what he said, is that there are things that I want to do that I'm not doing, things I want to stop doing, but I, I'm, I can't stop. I can't seem to stop. It's a very real struggle, a very real temptation. And, and many of us, how many of you can relate to what the Apostle Paul said there? Most of us. All of us, let's get that right, all of us can relate to what he's talking about. It may be uh, overspending, you know, you've, you've determined, I'm not going to overspend or overextend uh, our budget, but every time you see clearance rack or sale, you continue to spend. Uh, even though you've said, I'm not going to do that. You may say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jog tomorrow morning. I'm going to go for a run. Oh, no, the, the, the forecast says there's a 10% chance of rain, and I don't want to get my new running shoes dirty just yet, so I'm, I'll push it off. How many know what I'm talking about? We make excuses not to do the things we should do. And, and so the, Paul lays that out. And, and I don't know what the struggle is for you. It may be, you know, I don't want to be mad at my husband, but I just threw a shoe at him. Why did that happen? Why did I do that? Uh, I, I don't want to sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend again, but we did it again. What, what is going on? I don't want to do these things, but I end up doing them anyway. And, and I think we struggle when we get saved and get into the church because we think when we get saved and get into the church that we're not going to struggle. But you know what I found out in almost 15 years of pastoring this church, this fall will be 15 years of leading this church as pastor, is that Christians struggle. Can I just get real? So if I told y'all some of the meetings I had to do on a weekly basis with the problems in the church, we're trying to fix everything outside the church. The Bible says if we want to see revival, we got to bring some order inside the church before we can bring some order outside the church. We got to get our stuff in order before we can help the world get their stuff in order. And so I want you to write this down if you're taking notes uh, if not, take a picture of the screen, but, but get this. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. Extremely practical, but also very powerful. That whatever I feed will grow, and whatever I starve will die. Um, whatever I feed will grow stronger and bigger. Whatever I starve will grow weaker and eventually die. For example, if you, if you feed your physical body the right things, you, you grow and you get stronger. But if you starve yourself for an extended period of time, you get weaker and you die. Uh, it's summertime. Many of you have plants outside your house that you're trying to keep alive. If you feed that plant, it will grow bigger and stronger. But if you don't feed the plant, it will grow weaker and eventually die. And that's how it works. We have to learn how to starve 
our fleshly nature so that it begins to die. And, but that's not enough just to starve my desires. That's good. That's a great place to start. I need to starve those wrong desires. But on the other hand, I've got to begin feeding my spirit so that my spirit gets stronger. And when my spirit gets stronger, my intimacy with God begins to increase. And I'll notice that I now have power to overcome temptations that pre Previously, I was submitting myself to. But if I don't feed my spirit, I'll never have what I need to overcome what my flesh desires. Is this all right? All right, because it gets real quiet when I preach these messages because we're all sitting around thinking, I know what my struggle is. I wonder what everybody else is this. I wonder what everybody else is struggling with. But what I feed grows, what I starve dies. So instead of just thinking, no, I'm going to stop thinking about the wrong things, I have to also start thinking about doing the right things. If I don't replace those wrong thoughts and wrong desires with something good and godly, I will revert back to doing the wrong things. I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm going to say it here. This is why it's so important when you get saved and you come to church, that you don't just, okay, I'm not going to do the wrong things anymore. If you don't replace it with doing the right things, serving, being in community with other people, doing life with other people, getting in the word every single day, you will find yourself reverting back to your Adam nature instead of your Christ nature. And that's all only because you didn't feed what matters. So how do we, with the help, and, and let, me, let me give you a little prelude to next, next week. I'm going to close the series out teaching you how to feed your spirit practically every single day. Anybody excited about learning how to feed your spirit? You, got, you need some spiritual muscle, right? So we can, we can grow in this. So how do we, with the help of the Holy Spirit, overcome the wrong desires not fulfill the lust of the flesh, all those things that, that we struggle with, and how do we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome? And I'm going to give you two main thoughts today, all right? You're not leaving here with nine things to remember. Two things that I want you to take home with you. Number one, in order to overcome the appetites of the flesh, we must depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we struggle with, with this concept. We know there's a trinity. We know most people have no problem, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit is confusing to them. They don't really understand how he plays or, or how he makes a difference in their lives. The Holy Spirit is actually one of the greatest gifts you will ever receive. Jesus said, before he went away, he said, I'm going to send you something better. How many, that's a mouthful coming from Jesus. I'm going to send you something better because I'm with you, but the one I'm sending is not going to be with you. He's going to be in you. That God, the Holy Spirit, is not just walking beside me, but he's actually taking up residence in me. 
It is God dwelling in me. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, and it's not a watered-down version of the Holy Spirit or a second-rate version of the Holy Spirit. It is the same spirit that Jesus operated in, the same spirit that raised him from the dead now dwells in you, and the Bible says it will quicken your mortal body which means make all the dead things in your life come back to life. Anybody thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives me what I need to overcome the things I need to get rid of? Now, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. I don't have time to go through all of them, but just a, just a handful of things. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. Very important. A lot of us are like, I don't like that. You, you better like it. Because the alternative of not being convicted of sin and living in it is, as Everly says, when I ask her all the time, where do liars go? She says, hell. Not even like hell. Like H-E, it's like H-A-I-L, hell. Like hell, they go to hell. Real quick. The Holy Spirit convicts us, and that's a good thing. When you're about to do something wrong, there will be a prompting. There will be a warning. The Holy Spirit will check your spirit and say, don't do that. Don't go there. Do this and say, don't say that. Anybody ever had the Holy Spirit tell you, don't say that? Like he will convict you. He will also comfort you when you're hurting. A lot of people don't understand that when you've been hurt or disappointed or you're battling with grief, anything like that, a lot of times you can't get any peace on your own but there is a supernatural peace that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that our human minds have no ability to understand. And, and when that happens, when you have a peace that don't make sense, that is the Holy Spirit comforting you in a, in a situation. He will also counsel you. The Scripture says that he is a counselor, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth that he will direct your path. We had a, something happen a couple of weeks ago. We were, and I don't, I don't need any judgment, all right, but we were in Little Caesars drive-thru. And um, it's not so much that I like Little Caesars, but $5 feeds the kids. And it's always hot and ready, right? You got to love that part. Five bucks goes a long ways at Little Caesars. We were there, and we ordered the pizza, whatever. We pulled up to the window, and um, we paid, and, and they said the fresh batch of the cheese pizza, whatever it was, um, it'll, it'll be ready in four minutes. I just need you to pull up, take a parking space. We'll bring it right out. I'm like, cool, I can do hot and ready in four minutes. Great. Pulled up to the spot. We're just hanging out, whole fam's in the, in the truck, and um, he comes four minutes later. This young man comes to the window, hands, hands me my pizza we paid for, and I've got the truck. I'm ready to, like, reverse. Like, I'm, I'm already there, and I had a prompting, just a nudge. Like, the Holy Spirit didn't smack me in the face. There was just a small little prompting that said, bless that young man. And so I went from reverse back to park. I looked over at Karen and said, um, I'm supposed to bless the young man. And she looked at me like, what are you waiting on? I, I didn't know if I thought like she's going to say no to that or like she's, she blesses people all the time, but she was just like, okay, go, go bless him. I went in 
And the person at the counter, the, the young man had already went in, went into the back and, and began whatever was next for his job duties. And the person at the counter, I said, hey, the young man that came out and brought me the pizza, um, I need to talk to him. And, and you could tell they thought, I'm mad about something. I, I, and I, I had to real quick say, hey, I'm not mad about anything. I just, just need to talk to the young man. And so the young man came, and I looked at him and said, hey, my name is, gave him my name, and I said, uh, God just told me to bless you. And the crazy thing is, I don't carry cash. How many of y'all feel me? Like, we don't carry cash. Like, you, you got a debit. But that day I had some cash, and so I took the cash that I had out, and I put it in his hand. I just said, God told me to bless you. And some of y'all are thinking, well, what if he goes and does what? I don't, it ain't my responsibility what he does with it. I had a nudge. I had a prompting. I, I gave him the cash. I put it in his hand. And he looked at me like, like, like a deer in headlight. He didn't even know what to say. But I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit will prompt you. He will direct you. He will give you some good things to do. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil the sermon for you. If you will get focused on obeying God and doing the good things that God tells you to do, you won't have as much time to fulfill the desires of your flesh. A lot of us, we just got idle hands. We're not doing what God's called us to do, which means that we have more more time to be tempted to do the wrong things. But if we could get busy doing the right things, we won't have as much time to give in to the sinful desires. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. He's God in spirit form dwelling in you. So you say, what's the point of all that? The point is, is that when it comes to battling temptation, you don't have to battle temptation alone. The Holy Spirit wants to help you overcome temptation in your life. Romans chapter 8, two verses here. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. You may want to underline that, highlight that. Very important. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die but if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. I love that line where he says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Practically, you got a girlfriend, you got a boyfriend, and you got, you got the urge to merge. <laughs> Come on, just walk with your crazy preacher for a minute. You got the urge to merge. Paul would say you have no obligation, zero obligation to give in to that sinful desire. You have no obligation. A lot of times, the reason we call it prison break is because when we keep giving in to temptation, we start to believe that we have no way out. And Paul is clearly telling us that we have no obligation and even though our minds will say, I got to do this, or I can't help but do this, or I'm addicted to this, Paul would say, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But Paul says, if you live by the sinful desires that you have, he says, you're going to die. Now, that sounds a little dramatic, right? 
Like, if you do the sinful thing, you're going to die. And a lot of us, that's a little over the top. It's a little heavy, Pastor. I, I've done a lot of bad stuff. I'm not dead. I'm here. And I get what you're saying. But can we have a real moment for just a minute of honesty? Anybody ready to be honest? I'm going to throw something out at you. How many of you understand that sin can be fun? Y'all are scared, aren't you? Like if I say amen to that, what's that mean? Sin can be fun for a little while. Sin is fun. The Bible actually backs that up. It says there is pleasure in sin. But if you keep reading, it says for a season. Now, if you don't know that there can be fun in sin, then you didn't sin right. You wasn't good at it. I must have been better at it than you. There can be... I got, a, I got the 11 o'clock service to laugh. Do y'all realize this, this, we're gaining some ground. Usually y'all just look at me like, no matter what I say. But there can be fun in sin for a season. But what we have to understand is the Bible bears that there is pleasure in it, but it is for a season, and if it's not dealt with, eventually leads to destruction and death. So sin fascinates, and then it assassinates. This is a little gross analogy, but have you ever had a big sneeze that you knew was coming, and it's like it would not come? But you finally got that bad boy out, and it felt good, but now you got a mess everywhere. That's what sin does. It's fun for a little while, but when you live in it too long, it actually kills you. Sin grows when it's left in the dark. It thrills and then it kills. You might say it's not that big a deal to participate in a little bit of this, Pastor, but the problem is, is that you don't just do a little bit. It always grows. It always continues. Sin grows when we don't confess it. And eventually, it will totally, watch this, sin will kill your marriage. It will kill intimacy with God. It will kill intimacy, listen to me, fathers. It will kill intimacy with your children. It will kill your testimony. It will kill your ability to have credibility. It will, sin always destroys. And Paul said, if you live by the sinful nature, eventually you will die. Now, I'm glad he didn't stop there because he continues by telling us, but if you and I live through the power of the Holy Spirit, we put to death the sinful desires, Paul says, then we live. And so this battle is important. I want you to, to notice that all through this, it's not about you overcoming the sin in your own strength. None of it's about Oh, I'm going to, bless God, I'm going to overcome, or I'm going to defeat this, or I'm going to defeat that, or I'm, I'll never be tempted there again. There are some things, listen to me, the day I got saved, there were some things in my life on the day I got saved that was never a struggle again, ever, gone. 
But if we're all being really honest, not every wrong desire left you. Some of y'all are holy. I get it. But not every wrong desire left you the moment you got saved. That's why I said at the beginning, when you get saved and you follow Jesus, you now, you now experience a very real war going on between what your sinful nature desires and what God desires for your life. And you got to get engaged in this battle. If, if you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can put to death the wrong desires. And I believe that there are people here today that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to move in your life. And this is not going to be anything based on your strength, but it's going to be about God's strength in you. You're going to be able to put to death and starve that which has slowly been killing you. Anybody ready to put to death some things that has been slowly killing you? For many of us, I believe today's a day of breakthrough. I'm going to say that one more time because you always have some people, I wonder if that's true. Today is going to be a day of breakthrough. Somebody's going to get it. It's going to get in their spirit, and they're going to overcome some things that they've not been able to overcome. I believe that today, for some of you, it's going to be the first day in a process of healing. Because when you admit that you are powerless over something and you need a greater power than you have, the power of the Holy Spirit will help you get free, be whole, and live healed. Anybody want some of that? That's, that's what I want for you. But it's not going to come just because you're disciplined. Listen, discipline will get you a long way. Self-control will get you a long way. But there are some things in your life, some things in my life, that's not about discipline. It's not about self-control. It's about bowing and saying, God, I can't defeat this in my strength, in my power. I'm inviting your power into my life because I can't get over the hump unless you help me. Anybody need God to help them in at least one area of your life? And the good news is God is faithful. That's the key text. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So whether you, you feel powerless over food, materialism, worry, worrying about your kids, what, whatever the temptation is, gossip. And here, here's what church people do. We, we judge people because they sin differently. Oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, I wonder if they knew what you had been doing. Maybe they'd say, I can't believe you did that. We judge people that sin differently than us, and we want to make them out to be terrible. While I think Jesus taught this whole thing. Why are you trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a telephone pole in yours? There's this whole teaching on that. Like We, we judge people because they sin differently. At the end of the day, let, let me throw it, because many of you are new, new to faith. I get that. There are not categories. I didn't say this at nine, so y'all getting some extra. This won't cost you anything. We're not charging for this. Y'all smile, please. I'm kidding. There are not categories of sin. 
Like this is, you know, the big one. And these people, they, you know, they're really bad. But these people, ah, oh, they it's just little things. They're good. All sin separates you from God. All of it. Doesn't matter if it's a white lie or something that we would consider or deem big. Sin separates us from God. There are not categories, but here's what I will tell you. How many there are different consequences for different sins? I don't have time to teach this, but the consequences of a white lie and the consequences of murder are different. Can I get an amen in the house? Right? So they both will separate you from God, but there will be much more severe consequences with certain types of sin. I don't know why I said that, but I think somebody needed to hear that all sin separates you from God. But there are certain consequences that come with certain sins. But admitting that I'm powerless over something is actually an invitation for the Holy Spirit to help you overcome whatever that is. Now, you say, well, why do I need to confess it? Why do I need to say it out loud? Because sin grows best in the dark. If, that, if you never confess, this is why Christian community is so important. Because I confess my sins to God. Why do I do that? Because I want to be in right standing with God. That's about forgiveness. But do you know where healing comes from? Healing from that sin is confessing to one another. I think that this is a large part of why people in the church can be in the church for 21 years, 31 years, and still be struggling with something that nobody knows about. It's because they confess to God. God, forgive me. God, help me. But they're never going to experience healing until they confess it to a brother and sister in Christ. That's where healing comes from. Now, we don't like that because we don't want anybody to know our stuff. But it's not just about confessing it to someone so that they know our stuff. How many know at that moment, I now have accountability. I now have accountability. I have someone that can hold me to a standard that I, that, how many want to operate at a higher standard than you are? Like, I think most of us want to set the bar higher, not lower. But I need accountability in order to do that. So, um, let me say this, and I'll move to that second thought. Many of you really love Jesus. And I, I, need to, I need you to receive that because the enemy always minimizes sin on the front end and he maximizes it on the back end. So when the enemy is tempting you, he's saying it's no big deal. Nobody's going to care. God don't care. It's, it's fine. Do it. Do it. Do it. Then you do it. Then what's he say? You call yourself a Christian? What he, what's he do? He, he makes it, it's minimal on the front end, but on the back end, he makes it like you could never really love Jesus if you did that. There are people in this room that really do love Jesus that are, that are really battling struggles and temptations. Please do not leave this service thinking God's mad at you God's going to strike you down today. If, he, if God wanted you struck down, you'd be struck down. You're here. Why? He loves you. 
You failed yesterday, get up. The righteous man, the Bible says, falls seven times. But what makes the difference in his life is that all seven times he gets back up to his feet. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to help you get back to your feet and be everything God has called you to be. Here's the second thought. Oh, wow. In order to overcome the appetites of the flesh, we must follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul is saying that those who belong to Jesus are intentional to crucify their flesh. That we're putting to death our passions and our desires. What are they doing? They are starving the temptation. If that means I can't go there anymore, I'm not going there anymore. Because in that environment, I do things that are not pleasing to God. So if I need to cut that place off, I will. Sometimes you got to cut people off. You got to get a, you got to get away from people that are negative voices in your life. You got to get away from certain environments. I'm going to starve this part of my life and watch it grow weaker but at the same time I'm going to keep in step with the spirit of God I'm going to do what God has called me to do how how do I stay in step with the spirit of God you got to spend time with God listen it cannot be this is the only time you have with God is Sunday with PC if this is can you imagine a marriage that you spent 90 minutes with once a week? What kind of marriage is that? What kind of relationship is that? How are you drawing closer to one another? You got to spend time with God. You got to get into God's word. You've you've got to be around the people of God. And, And over time, what you'll recognize is that as you draw close to God, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will start start prompting you. He will start nudging you, leading guiding you. He will start telling you exactly what you need to do. And the reason this is important is because when we are drawing close to God, we become so full of what matters, we are no longer tempted by the emptiness of what doesn't matter. We are so full of the presence of God. Doesn't mean that we're never tempted. Doesn't mean that we never have a struggle. But it just means that we have what we need to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. As the worship team comes, I want to end by saying this because some of us, we will listen to a message like this and you say, that's easy for him. He's a pastor. He reads the Bible all the time. He writes sermons like it's what he does. He, you know, that it's easy for him to feel like God is leading him, guiding him, prompting him because that's what his job is. He's a pastor. But I want to encourage you to do something and and maybe encourage is the wrong word. Maybe it's a challenge. I want to challenge you today to start keeping track to document to write down 
every single time you feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging you. Every single time you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Because here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that while you're driving to work, you're going to turn on some worship music and all of a sudden you're going to hear a song. And while you hear that song, you're, you're going to think, wow, God's ministering to me. What, what's happening right there? That, that's God speaking to you. That's God nudging you. That's God prompting you. You're going to open up your daily devotional in the morning and you're going to start reading. And you read 24 verses, but all of a sudden there's one verse that's jumping off the page. When that happens, I want you to hear PC's voice saying, that's God talking to you. That's God prompting you. It's going to happen when you walk into the office and there's always that one annoying person that you really want to avoid. But all of a sudden, you're going to have that nudge of stop and give them your ear for five minutes. That's going to be the Holy Spirit. I want you to document it. I want you to track it. I want you to write down, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today. You say, well, I, I've tried all that, Pastor, and, and, and I, don't, I don't sense anything. Well, next thing I would tell you to do, take 15 minutes and say, God, for the next 15 minutes, I want to pray for others. I, I don't... I don't really sense you're talking to me, so I'm just going to spend the next 15 minutes in praying for others, and you'll be astounded at what name or names God will give you to pray for. That is God nudging you. That is God prompting you. That is God talking directly to you. You're going to be walking with the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to tell you, don't go there, go here instead. And when you're keeping in step with the Spirit of God and you're walking according to the Spirit, Paul says, if we do that, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. When you see believers struggling and with temptation and sin, somewhere along the way, they stop doing what God told them to do. And they started gratifying those sinful desires. That's what it boils down to. So it's not just, I got to quit thinking about this. I have to set aside time to hear from him, to follow his promptings. And watch this. When that happens, what's happening? The kingdom of heaven is coming into the earth through your personal life. Teacher, business owner, listen to me. God wants his kingdom to manifest through your life. And a lot of times it will manifest through your life and heaven comes into the earth through a small nudge, a small whisper where the Holy Spirit says, do this or don't do that. Paul said, you have no obligation to continue giving in to the flesh. I want to say a couple of strong things here as you stand to your feet. You have no obligation to stay addicted to something in a bottle. No obligation to continue to depend on something to get you through another day. 
No obligation to continue eating to medicate yourself because there is power that dwells within you that is greater than the desire you have for sugar. You have no obligation to continue to worry when the Prince of Peace can renew your mind and give you a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. You have no obligation to do what that sinful desire urges you to do. Why? Because our God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when the temptation comes, he will always, always, always provide a way out. If you receive the word today, give him a shout. Come on, lift up a shout today. Clap your hands. Say yes to the word of God. Father, I pray for these precious people. God, I thank you for what you're doing through the word. Your word changes us. It is a two-edged sword. It cuts, but it also heals. It tells us where we're coming up short, but it also gives us our next step to, to be empowered. I pray, God, for every person under the sound of my voice and those watching online that are struggling with the same temptation, a reoccurring thing that they've not been able to get over. Maybe they've tried in their own strength and they failed. God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that as they admit that they can't defeat it, as they confess it, not only to you, but maybe they find their brother or sister in Christ to say, hey, I've been struggling in this. Would you pray for me? God, I pray that not only would they experience what forgiveness and freedom looks like, but also healing. We thank you for your grace that is always sufficient. And God, I pray that for many, just as the children of Israel passed through the waters and you spoke and you said to them, the enemy you see today, you will see again no more. God, I pray that today would be one of those days for people in this room that the enemy they've been facing, God, for a long time, that enemy, they will not see again any longer because they're stepping into a new place in you, a new place of freedom. Thank you for what you've been doing over the last three weeks and for what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name. I want you to keep your heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute. I want to speak to the people that are in the room that you would say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with God or... Maybe you once were, but you're not now. You're not right with God. You know you're not right with God. There's things out of order. And you know you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm not going to make it difficult for you. I want to make it easy for you. But I need you to acknowledge where you are. If that's you and you say, that's me, Pastor, I, I need to make some things right today. I need to submit my life to Christ. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. One, two, three, four, five, right here in the center. Awesome. Another one over here, six, seven. Where are you? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty today. Thank you for your honesty. Those watching online, we want to pray with you as well. I want every voice lifted together. We're not going to let these seven, eight people that are in the room or those online pray by themselves. We're going to pray with them. Come on, lift your voice, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. Thank you 
for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, lose your mind for about 10 seconds for those that are coming into relationship with Jesus. So good. Oh, you can do better than that. That was like eight people. Come on, you can do better than that. How good is that? Listen, I want to speak to those seven, eight people that are in the room that raised your hand. I don't, I don't do this all the time, and, and we're trying, and I want you to hear my heart. Do y'all got a minute? I need to know you got a minute. You can come, James, and grab this. I'm going to get this out of the way. I want you to know my heart for, I, I wanted to say six months, but it actually goes back into last year. Pastor Karen and I, and our, our team, our staff, we, we have a desire to disciple people. Little sugar. Because my heart is not content to see a hand go up. And they give their life to Christ and we celebrate so good and we should but what happens now with those seven or eight hands that's where my heart's at and we're going to see another person that raises their hands to follow Jesus slip through the cracks and I know that we can't prevent that 100% of the time because people have to make decisions but when I lay down at night I want to know that we did every single thing we could do to make sure that they don't fall through the cracks and so I want to ask those seven or eight people if you would, if you would, you don't have to, but I just want you to know my heart. We, we want you, if you would, right now to take out that connect card in the seat back in front of you, just grab one of those. And I want you to write your name on it and check the box that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to stop with that part because here's, here's, I'm so serious about it that we've been, we've spent months trying to come up with a plan to better it. Have we not, Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Karen, in months praying, talking? We got to do better. We, we got to do better in this moment. Eleven people got saved this service. I was way off. They just flashed it up on the screen. Eleven of you. So I want you to take that card. I want you to write your name down during this last song. And I want you to check the box. But as soon as you do that, during this song, don't wait till the end. I want you to make your way back to the salvation table. It's the back left of the room, my left, your right. And we want to put a gift in your hand, a Bible in your hand, and I'm, I'm going back there. I want to meet you. I'm going to look the 11 people in the eye. I want to see who got saved today, not just standing up here with a microphone. I want to look you in the eye. I want to know your name. And we want to, we want to help you take your next step. Is this all right, Bethesda, if we, if we make this a commitment 
prayer team and staff, if you would go ahead and get in place for a time of prayer as the worship team comes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.